Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Time to chat now about recommendations for the small screen. You're still in lockdown. You're heading into the Easter weekend as well. And Anne-Marie is with me. And on the line, we have our own Megan and good friend Eleanor McSherry. And you're all very welcome. Eleanor, what did you think of the Taoiseach's speech and the new plan for a cautious reopening of Limerick and the country? Um... Well, I try not to think about these speeches because a lot of the time you're just concerned about what it means for you as a person or your family members. So uh, it's the same for us, like nothing's changing for us. So, um, but, but, but the good news is my, my, the two people I'm caring for, my mother and my son, are getting their vaccinations. Hopefully she's already had one vaccination date cancelled. So hopefully they'll get it in the next seven days. So that for us is, is the big deal. Um, you know, but the cautious opening, I think that's prudent at the moment. I mean, we all, you know, well, not we all, some people went mad at Christmas and we ended up with thousands coming into hospital, which we just don't need again. You know, we need everybody vaccinated. Yeah. I think the hardest thing throughout this for the health experts and the government to explain, either because people don't want to hear it or they genuinely don't quite grasp it, is that it's not one thing or another that in and of itself a reasonable case can't be made to allow. The problem is the combination of things together, meaning increased movement, you know, the classic example of the schools reopening, which is great and and important, but asking people not to congregate um, at school gates, which the more you have around, the more prospect of that happening. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the two construction workers that I saw last week on, a, a, you know, an important project. Um, but they were walking directly beside each other and yeah. they were not wearing masks. Now, in fairness to any manager who isn't right there at that time, they can't necessarily do anything about that. But it's the more of that that happens, the more of the time that increases the spread of the virus. Oh, well, I, I think people don't realise we have to take responsibility as well. I mean, at the end of the day, the longer we're in lockdown, it's because the cases are still up and the cases are still up because people aren't abiding by the lockdown. So it's a vicious circle. And, you know, I freak out every time I see a picture. Somebody shows me a picture online. The first thing that comes into my head is where's the mask? Where's the social distancing? It's an awful thing to be in that position. But, I mean, I'm not going to be ringing guards about people. You know, I... I I don't feel comfortable doing that. But I feel personally scared when people get too close to me or up in my face or, you know, walking by. I mean, the Ennis Road is where I walk out and I've stopped walking out there. I just walk around the green in my area because it's just, I find it too confronting. I find people in on top of me. I'm scared. I'm asthmatic. I've been in and out of hospital. I'm now in cohort, whatever, cohort nine. I'm considered fine. Uh, so I, I hope I'm fine so good um, to be able to, to, to care for the people I have to care for. But other people don't seem to feel that way and that's up to them. But personal responsibility has to play a big part in this, Joe. And, you know, if people aren't being responsible, they can't keep coming out to the government for keeping it closed. They can only go on the information they have. Yeah. Um, Anne-Marie, what do you make of it all? Honestly, I'm absolutely sick 
and tired of the whole pandemic. It just hit me yesterday again. I've had my moments along the way like everyone. And I sat down yesterday and I just roared at the TV. And that is quite frankly being honest with you. I am sick of it. I am sick of the way our lives have been going for the last year. I am sick of not being able to see relatives. I am sick of everything that has impacted on us. And I absolutely am sick of hearing the line, if we can just hang in there for this lot one more time. That's been said over and over again. Get the vaccines out. Get moving. I am, I, I, I really am at the end of my tether. I think We've all had moments along the way. I had my moment at the start of lockdown last year, living in pain every day, waiting for an operation that should have been done and dusted within a few weeks. It was four months, I think, before I got it. That was difficult. I dealt with it. And I think me personally being able to get back up and get into work and and recover from that. Actually, that was my motivation while the whole pandemic was going on. And now I just think, we f- I feel like we're we're still stuck in this limbo land, and just the words were just feeling just meant nothing to me yesterday. I was completely numb looking at the TV because I'm sick of it. And the vaccine rollout, and you know, they were really pinning their hopes hugely. I mean, the whole point of what the government was saying yesterday and the cautious. Um, um, easing, you know, and certainly, I mean, I absolutely know where you're coming from. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Interestingly, as I mentioned earlier, the newspaper headlines, you know, the government won't complain this morning. They're actually quite hopeful and positive if you look at it. The yeah. Irish Mirror says ray of hope, for example. But the point being that it's all predicated on the vaccine and the vaccine. And that is out. my fear that we're now hanging our hat on this vaccine. And, you know, are we going to be looking at next autumn, next September? with restrictions and this, that and the other going on. If we are, I'm telling you now, I'm not sure about the people in this country. I mean, I'm on the phone to people. I think everyone's the same. We all have our moments. We all have days where we're struggling. My day was definitely yesterday. I said it to you yesterday morning. I'm struggling. And just to sit down and listen to it all again last night, I just... I'm frustrated. That's Mm. that. You ask me how I feel, that's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And Megan, what do you think? Yeah, I would. I understand both of Eleanor's and Anne Marie's feelings on it. I'm probably a mix of the both of them. There's definitely days I feel really frustrated, um, especially because I still won't, won't be able to go visit any of my family who I haven't seen since January now, um, because of obviously they live in Mayo and I'm here living in Limerick, so I don't know when I'm going to see them. So we're keeping up on Zoom calls and all of that fun stuff. Um, my frustration yesterday probably was about the discussion on the change of the vaccine rollout, just in terms of it just going by age. Obviously, I completely agree with all the vulnerable groups going first. I think that is completely necessary. Um, but in terms of, say, 18 to 25-year-olds being last, where they could be in jobs where they're very much in the public and in the public domain and dealing with the public every day, say in terms of people who've been working in shops since the beginning of the pandemic like they're very high at risk like they're meeting loads of people they're touching like a lot of services that other people are touching every day and it's a lot of young people that are working in those jobs um, as part-time jobs and I think that that does need to be taken into account I know that they are less at risk because of their age but I definitely think that your job should have something to do with whether you get the vaccine first. I know it makes it a lot more complicated. I understand why they did change, why 
they're putting forward this idea in terms of simplifying it. But I just think that in terms of if I'm sitting at home and working from home and I get it before someone who's working in a shop meeting with how many people a day, I don't think that's really fair. I think the bottom line is the government have bet the house on the vaccine rollout and its speed. Um, and as a result, what they're trying to do is speed it up through what they would see as simplifica- simplification, although they are leaning very heavily on the advice they got from NIAC, the uh, Immunisation Expert Committee. Um, but it, that's what it'll come down to. Will they start hitting the various marks and milestones they've given us now for um, the level of vaccine rollout, how many people are getting it and when? And I think um, somebody was saying earlier, um, Eleanor, on this show that yeah. you know, they're now claiming into July an even higher percentage. I think it was Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun that the government are saying that 70% of the population by um, July will have the vaccine. And I suppose... It's whether you believe that or not is is the point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're hoping now with the Johnson and Johnson. My brother and my sister-in-law is involved in the vaccine rollout. Now, my brother's in oncology, but they, you know, they're this is what the medical people are saying that they're hoping that with the Johnson and Johnson, that's a one-shot wonder, so to speak. And a lot of people who are able to fight COVID, even though it's only sixty-two percent, your normal flu vaccine is only seventy-something percent. So it's on par with that. So it'll give you enough protection. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody, there should be nothing talked about in hierarchies or vaccines. The most vulnerable in society has to go first. After that, it's really a roll of the dice because you don't know who's more vulnerable than other people. I mean, even though we have people around frontline services, most of the cases are coming from households. So, you know what I mean? You can only go on the information that you have. There is nobody winning in this scenario, maybe the UK. Other than other than that, the rest of us are just trundling along blindly. And we can't you can't expect non medical experts to suddenly be experts. Yeah, the, the the other point that I find fascinating is, you know, and obviously it's done in the science, but the suggestion that from today, if you've had your second vaccine and after fourteen days, then two of you can meet up indoors with no masks and no social distancing. But exactly the same people are being told that in every other setting, they need to continue to wear their masks. They need to continue to observe social distancing. And they can't go beyond their 5K. And they can't go beyond their 5K. And if they're driving down the road to visit the other person who's vaccinated and is beyond their 5K, what do they say to the guard? And what does the guard say to them? It's just... Oh, it's just... There's no there's no fast and hard... Like, I mean, I don't envy the, the people who have to make these decisions because I wouldn't... You know, I wouldn't know what to do myself. And I think there there is a lot of trial and error because nobody's been in this position before. None of us were alive the last time this happened. Yeah. But, but I mean, the concept of, you know, well, why two? I mean, why not four or six? Or why not a, a vaccinated house party? I think we're terrified to be wrong, Look what happened to Christmas. I mean, we were, like, we were all pushing to open up at Christmas. But then as soon as we, the numbers started rising, he said, hey, the government did it wrong. Wait a second. Some of these people were going out and doing stuff they were told they probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah, but the difficulty they had, Eleanor, yesterday was, and this is just the simple reality, and you know it better than I do, is that uh, anyone who took even a casual look around Limerick uh, going about their socially distanced business (laughs) over the last few weeks (laughs) knows full well that people had already decided what restrictions they were going to obey and which they weren't. This is it. This is it. You know, and as I told you, I'm terrified. I don't leave outside my area. I have two people I have to care for. I mean, the carers weren't even factored. We're the only country in Western Europe that has no plan for carers. 
No cancer care is not delivered. They're one-to-one with people. If they get sick, the people that they care for can die. Yeah. Not of COVID, but whatever they have. Because if there's not somebody there to change their tubes, if there's not somebody there to feed them, to change them, to bath them, they're not even factored in this at all, Joe. We, no newspaper has talking about them this morning. Yeah. Nobody on radio, is, well, they've talked about it this week because there has been motions been put into the doll. But nobody's talked about them for 13 months. Like, they don't exist. Yes, 20, what's it, 15% of the country are carers? Yeah, yeah. No, I take the point totally. Okay. Eleanor, Megan and Anne-Marie are with me and they have some recommendations for your small screen viewing over Easter. And uh, Megan has been watching Nailed It, Double Trouble on Netflix. Ooh, something smells a little fishy. Could it be Nailed It? Yes, it is! <laughs> this season is a team competition, Double Trouble. Together we're stain my hair. And with double the help, maybe we'll get a better cake? Lord help me. Okay. <laughs> I'll pull him out now. That's what I was doing anyway. That is so ugly. What about his butt rib? No one can see that. America can, Lizzie. I am shook by what I'm seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be hating on that buttercream. No. The Nothing to COVID. This is surprisingly intense. Five. It looks so much easier on TV. Four. Mom, you need to take off the paper. Three. Oh, Two. <laughs> this is painful to watch. One. See what you did. <laughs> what is that about? So this is a baking competition where people with no It's a baking, baking competition. You're serious? <laughs> yeah. It's a baking competition. Yeah. They have like time limits and they have to bake. <laughs> Sounds like a disorganized orgy. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like except with baking. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's just chaos. You're just watching it and you're actually like, what is going on? They're running around. <laughs> There's flour everywhere. People are like, did you put this in? And they're like, no. And they're like, did you not read the recipe? And they're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. The funny thing about teens as well is there's always one person who's actually following the recipe. And then the other person who's just adding random eggs and throwing in flour and sticking in a stick of margarine (laughs) for no reason. Um, You know, just the usual things you do when you're cooking with someone else and you have different cooking styles. So, well, can I um, ask you but, this? Emer, um, who we've had on this show loads and has done very well in Irish Bake Off, and she can really bake, I can tell you, because we've been lucky enough to get some of the treats in here. Do you think somebody like that who takes her baking seriously would sit through this? I don't know if she would. She might find it entertaining or like the high-stress part of the competition might entertain her. Um, it's definitely not if you really love like beautiful creations and well-baked goods this is not a show for you don't watch it it's more if you want to watch people see this amazing cake and then just create this terrible um, copy of it under time pressure it's just kind of an entertaining thing where they're running around they're making that sort of thing. Well, having um, used one of Donald Skeehan's recipes myself over the weekend um, to do um, Mars Rice crispy treats, um, you know, I've become quite a baking snob. I'm, I'm not sure I'd watch this. <laughs> I think you should give it a go, Joe. Or maybe you should see one of the recipes on that and then time yourself in your kitchen at home and see if you can do it in the same amount of time, set a challenge over Easter, that sort of thing. They're not easy feats now. It's not like make some buns here. They're like very elaborately designed 
buns and cakes that would take someone entire days or weeks to do. So in fairness, they give it a good shot at these amateur bakers. And if they, whoever does it the best, then they have the chance of winning $10,000. So that's really the competition part of it that, you know, they're not just doing it for no reason. But yeah, it's very entertaining to watch. It's just a kind of a light show if you just want a laugh and some people messing about the place. And, you know, that sort of thing. But there's a few seasons as well. I I hope any judges anyway aren't as critical as my four-year-old was of my efforts. That doesn't look like chocolate, Dad. Is that chocolate? I don't think they are. (laughs) Yes, it's chocolate. Eat it. Eat it. It's fine. It tastes like chocolate or some derivative thereof. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Right. Nailed it. Double trouble. Sounds like a bit of Easter crack. uh, But uh, thankfully, uh, the tone is now being raised by (laughs) Amory, who has been watching uh, The Queen and Margaret on Netflix. On the 15th of February, 2002, Queen Elizabeth II said goodbye to her younger sister, Princess Margaret. The Queen never cries in public, but on this day, she appeared to wipe a tear from her eye. Now we're looking at the lives of two sisters who started out as equals. Elizabeth and Princess Margaret are best of mates, very close, sharing in one another's lives, their secrets. But who were forced apart by fate. She knew she was leaving behind her family, she was leaving behind her sister, and things could never be the same again. For the first time, we reveal the real relationship between the Queen and Margaret. You just have to love that. Like Other people uh, don't poo in public. The Queen doesn't even cry in, in public. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't apparently. <laughs> Look, if you said to me a year ago that I would have watched that, I would have laughed at you and said I couldn't give <laughs> well, a that's toss. That's why I'm so amazed. I couldn't that. give a toss about the royals. But you know what, Joe? This is the impact of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is doing to me <laughs> no I binge watched The Crown um, during lockdown all seasons of it one after the Brilliant. other the whole lot right and I enjoyed it so this obviously came up on the algorithm on, on Netflix for me to watch and I was fascinated by it because obviously this was more based on fact as opposed to a mix of fact and fiction in The Crown um, and there were some similarities around which the which is things. Harry's excuse for watching <laughs> Crown, isn't it? <laughs> he said, he, uh, he, said he only watches I, I bits of it. I know it's fiction. <laughs> he only watches bits of it. He wouldn't admit to it. He's watching every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, because Netflix are paying him a fortune. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I was fascinated just to compare with The Crown how Margaret was portrayed uh, in The Crown versus what this would have been more a factual piece. Um, and it was just really interesting, these two privileged girls growing up together, how their lives took a huge change you know the abdication of king meant that you know elizabeth became queen and she was never in line for the throne and how it just completely changed their lives and just you know princess margaret being in queen elizabeth's shadow shadow i'm even talking like now <laughs> I need to go to bed. She was in her shadow for so long. Um, that, 
<laughs> that, uh, you know, it had an impact on her. It had a, a huge impact on her mentally, you know, and I felt sorry for her. I never thought I'd say that either about the Royals, but I did watching it. And I mean, totally understandably, they had to get someone connected to Limerick royalty to play Charles as an older man in the Netflix um, series because um, Dominic West has got the job. So he's yeah. going to be oh. playing the older Prince Charles. So that's an area. Great. Um, maybe they'll do some of it out in Glynn, some of the filming. Um, anyway, so you recommend it basically. If you were into the crown, I think you definitely would enjoy this. Listen, whether we admit it or not, like we were all sure. I watched Oprah and Meghan and Harry and all the speculation. I was watching an episode of Suits last night and they mentioned Rachel. And I said, oh, no, no, you won't find her there. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. No, she's over destroying the British royals. And now she's back in the States doing other things, allegedly. Um, well, anyway, so that's great. Um, unfortunately, we don't have time to play the clip, I think, of the flight attendant, but I want to talk to Eleanor about it because I'm watching this as well. Um, uh, it's on BBC, and uh, is that right? And, uh, no, Sky. Sky. Is it's it on Sky. Sky. Yeah, Sky that's World. where I'm watching it. I knew that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, now, it's caused a bit uh, of tension in our house because we watched the first episode together. My other half then decided it didn't really do it, so I'm kind of sneakily watching it. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah, I knew you'd love this because it's very, it's, it's what we call uh, it's a retro thriller. They use the split screen I knew that. thing and the opening credits are are uh, very similar to Vertigo, Hitchcockian, uh, you know, Catch Me If You Can. Also did a kind of a, a version of it, Saul Bass, those, those opening title sequences. I just loved it. And I really got into it, and my my husband watching this as well. And I just knew you'd like this. I thought this is right up your street. It's just uh, it's it's done in a fabulous style. So, so I mean, the bottom line is, she, she is a flight attendant, and um, we won't spoil it to any extent. But just yeah, that she nothing is as it seems. That's all I'll say. That's that's the only spoiler you're going to get. What's nothing that? Nothing is as it seems. Nothing, no, exactly. Nothing, nothing is, as is as it seems. And I mean, yeah. the only thing about it is, it's kind of supposed to be darkly comic. Now, I've enjoyed it, but I haven't laughed out loud yet. Well, I've had no. There are certain parts of it that I've laughed at and I think the girl there was one girl in it and I can't think of her name now the actress but she was in Doctor Who she played the master in Doctor Who and she's brilliant she's a Scottish actress uh, Michelle Gomez is her name but she was also in Sabrina the Teenage Witch the yeah. reboot of that as well but she's really really good as the bad guy Okay, well, I think there are three great recommendations uh, this week. Not that they're not always great, of course, from you. But um, Eleanor with the flight attendant on Sky, I definitely recommend that. Megan nailed it, double trouble, show whatever you have on yourself. Um, and Anne-Marie, uh, the Queen and Margaret, um, which is uh, a documentary on that royal relationship on Netflix. I didn't realise Margaret died in 2002, almost 20 years ago. A lifetime. Thanks, guys. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.